Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Hot dog water! <laughs> no! Stick around to the end of the episode to see why that makes me so insanely mad. I promise you're going to love it. We've got a great episode for you today, and... Um, I am so excited for this series. The more that it develops, the more that I see where the story is going, and the more that I'm starting to see, you know, sort of how certain other things we've covered slightly in the past came from, if that makes sense, or where they came from. Um, man, I just love that shit. Paige, you're doing a great job. This series is fantastic, and I can't wait for y'all to hear this episode. Uh, before that though just wanted to let you know two things one we've got a patreon you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast check out all of the tiers and rewards that we have there uh you can also support us by listening on rooster teeth cock-a-doodle-doo Go to roosterteeth.com or download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, Roku television, your Xbox, your mobile device, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, check it out. Check out all the cool content they have there too. Like uh, Last Laugh Seasons 1 and 2. Um, you can watch Camp Betrayal. You can uh, listen to Tales from the Stinky Dragon. So much other good content too that is available. So go check that out out and without any further ado let's hop into the show hello hello Hot dog. water don't drink the Kool-Aid. for the purposes of this podcast we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these, these are, are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have stretching. A lot of stretching. <laughs> oh no. Flexibility. Oh oneness yeah. Oneness with the universe and a giant lotus. Mmm. Oh mm-hmm. wow. That sounds hella relaxing, Paige, actually. Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been through TripAdvisor posts, uh, a lot of travel posts, a lot of videos, a lot of photos. And I realized that today I'm going to go through some real shitty stuff that happened from the 70s to the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if that hadn't happened, I fully would want to go on a retreat to this place. It seems like tranquil AF, like peaceful as fuck. Let me tell you how I know that my brain is kind of broken is because you said TripAdvisor and my first thought was like, oh, like a like a guide for taking acid. That's Make awesome. an app. Do it. I'm sure I'm sure that exists. There's no way it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's like a it's like a DoorDash service where you you order somebody and they come over and they knock on your door and you answer and they go, hey, it's all going to be OK. Also. Yeah. Have you listened to Dark Side of the Moon and watched fucking The Wizard of Oz? Dude? Hey, buddy. Hey, 
drink this water. No, I promise the walls aren't bleeding. It's all good. We're just going to sit here and watch Price is Right. And everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and, uh, that's my kind of beautiful trip. <laughs> I I have had people promise to take me on a trip and guide me so I don't freak out. And I'm like, but what if I never come back? And so it's never happened because that's my fear is never coming back. So yeah, fair enough. The last time I took acid, I took way too much of it. And I was tripping for, I think the total time was like 25 hours. It was too mm. much. It was way too long. And around like hour 19, I, my brain went, what if this is it? What if I never come back? And then I looked over to my wall and everything looked like I was looking through a kaleidoscope. And I went, that's all right. I'm cool here. I'm fine, <laughs> I'm fine with this, honestly. <laughs> Uh, the, person who, the person who invited me to go to the woods and take psychedelics was like, I promise you it's not a sex thing. Jake can come. I'll bring my wife. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is a very strange conversation, but I respect that you knew that that would be a worry I would have. So yeah. thank you. There are very few times where somebody saying the phrase, I promise this isn't a sex thing, actually isn't a sex isn't thing. Isn't a sex thing. Yeah. 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 That was very kind of them. <laughs> Yeah. No, I promise this isn't a sex thing, but like, let's get into this podcast. Yeah, I promise this isn't a sex thing, but please bring your husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting a new app. It's called Dick Advisor. Oh, sorry. I was yawning. <laughs> That's that is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> is it just the size of dicks or the girth? Or the yaw of the shaft or just the overall experience? That's a really good question because now it can go two, one of two ways. It could either be dick advisor and you send somebody a willing participant on the yeah, app, course, a picture of, of your dick, and they look at it and they go, mm, I advise that you take less pictures of this. Or <laughs> I advise that you use more soap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they give you tips on how to take the perfect dick pick. Or dick advisor is somebody that you call in and they're like a third that comes into your bedroom and they're like, "Okay, now I'm going to guide you oh, in." Oh no. Yeah, they're both bad. They're both they're, bad they're options. They're both bad. It just makes me think of uh I I have a a friend who at one point did a hilarious online project where she would have people send in dick pics, either ones they had received. Oh, or yeah, just directly. yeah, yeah, I remember this. And then she would write essays that uh, based on how that dick picture made her feel. And then she would decoupage the dicks onto a coffee table. Um, it was called Decoupage. It's phenomenal. Um, but one of the ones they sent her, the guy had, you know, that like sparkle cake frosting gel at the grocery store, like that you'd use to decorate cupcakes. Yeah, the stuff that literally on the box says we promise this isn't a sexual thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though it's in a tube. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a guy who sent her a picture with that and sprinkles all over his dick. And I was like, I'm sure you thought this was a good idea at the time. But this is a bad idea all the time. <laughs> dick cake trying to get inside your cookie puss, mama. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> looking dick to begin with too i was like you only made it look weirder bro no buddy that's peacocking you no, distract buddy. from your weird looking dick by covering <laughs> it in ornaments if it i was could blue and green too. if i could put an ed hardy t-shirt on my cock you know i would Paige. you know i would <laughs> just bringing the early 2000s back into the bedroom um <laughs> oh man 
Oh, we got to get into this episode, I think. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> or else we're just going to talk about dicks all day. Uh, so let me go through our sources really quickly again. Again, we were talking about Yogaville. Um, so we start out with the Yogaville website, yogaville.org. Uh, we also have tripadvisor.com. We'll go over that a little bit more today. And then we have Broken Jobless. There's always Yogaville, uh, which is an NPR article. We have Home Fires by Donald Katz. We have the Associated Press and the Richmond Times-Dispatch combination article, Swami's former followers say he demanded sexual favors. We have Yoga and Sex Scandals, No Surprise Here, from the New York Times. We have a Bustle.com article, What is Yogaville, Swami Satchitananda, and His Teachings Explained. Uh, we have the Vice.com article about Doc Antle and uh, Indian appropriation. We have an article from The New Yorker, Yoga Reconsiders the Role of the Guru in the Age of Me Too. Uh, we have the obituary for Swami Satchitananda from The New York Times, The LA Times, and The San Francisco Chronicle. And we have the book Light on Yoga by BKS Iyengar. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right, so... Where we left off last week, Swami Satchidananda had grown up, had some serious loss in his life, traveled to find spiritual enlightenment, and along the way meets Peter Max, the artist who then brings him to the United States, and he gets to read the invocation at Woodstock, which is on YouTube at a bunch of places if you want to watch it. Now, at the same time, because he had started to establish his first yoga school in America a couple years before Woodstock, mm -hmm. he was also giving talks at Carnegie Hall that were sold out. Like, people were into it. And when it rains, it pours. Because as Peter Max was kind of making him famous, Woodstock made him, like, explosively famous. Um, he is rumored around this time to have cured a musician's kidney disease, uh, by turning water into some sort of medicine. I'm not a doctor, uh, but I have done a lot of research. <laughs> and I'm wondering if maybe that guy just needed some water. Uh, no, There's no actual proof that he cured somebody's kidney disease that is uh, highly debated, yeah, let's say. It's just a guy who had a kidney stone. And he was right, like, he just had to pee it out. Yeah, uh, well, here's your yeah. problem. You've been drinking Crystal Pepsi this whole time. <laughs> Oh, oh, a just little touch of it's... the new Mountain Dew flavor. <laughs> exactly. And he's just like, look, just because something is clear doesn't mean it's water. All right. Uh, brief tangent. Uh, Blaine tweeted out a picture of Baja Blast Hard mm -hmm. yesterday. And I don't I know if that's promise real. promise it's not a sexual thing. It just oh, no, is for sure, erect. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I was like, oh my God, alcoholic Baja Blast. I can't think of like, I can't think of a less organic thing to put into your body. <laughs> like there, there cannot be any organic material in that drink. That has to be just pure lab chemicals. <laughs> and you know what? I'm curious enough. Like, I am so curious. I don't know if it's real. I didn't Google it. I just saw the picture and was just like, Oof, I feel like you might need a guru to cleanse your kidneys after drinking that. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to buy this. Is it real? Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely real. real. Fuck. Where are we as a society? The world is collapsing. 
Oh my God. The Boston Beer Company, which partnered with Pepsi to make spiked seltzer versions of their soft drink, exclusively told CNN Business that it's surprising fans with the new hard Mountain Dew flavor. Wow. Wow, what the fuck? No sugar added, they say. <laughs> added. No, just the original yeah. Mountain Dew amount of sugar, yeah. which is already a massive amount of sugar. Jesus Christ. I always think Baja Blast is too sweet. So, like, I don't know. Maybe not adding sugar and adding alcohol might make it taste better to me. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm glad that I, I pretty much stopped drinking before the advent of crazy sparkling water drinks. Yeah. It looks like the people who are making this, the hard Mountain Dew, are the same people who make Trulies. Oh, man. So, you know... It's going to be bad. <laughs> it's so one day really I'm going to walk awful. into your apartment and find you dead just in a pile of these empty cans. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'll be glowing a soft aquamarine <laughs> so color. Soft turquoise. Yeah. And if we put you under a black light, we'll be able to see all of your organs. <laughs> <laughs> just glowing through your skin. And we'll be like, if there's one thing we can say about Armando, he truly did the do. Yeah. It would be great. <laughs> is that a Mountain Dew can in his pocket or is he just actually hard? <laughs> oh, no, it was Mountain Dew hard. It, it was, was a Mountain above. Dew. It was Mountain Dew. Uh, got too excited. All right. So I actually listened to some of Swami Satchitananda's speeches because a lot of people are super jazzed about him at this time, but they're um, not that interesting. Okay. Uh, they are super basic ideas that sound revolutionary to high people. <laughs> like, it's that kind of shit of like, hey, we should feed the poor. Money doesn't make you happy. We all have to work together for a peaceful society. We're all interconnected. Nothing mind blowing. But people ate it up because before that, they had also ate up some LSD. <laughs> <laughs> it is the late 60s. So people are super into it. But it's it's that idea of like every once in a while people get really into a like a motivational speaker and they're like, yeah, they said this. And I'm like, that's common sense, dude. Like, you know, I, I'm always a little suspicious when nobody seems to have any revolutionary ideas beyond like, yeah, you should feed the poor. I'm like, no, I know. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. we all know. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where he's at. I'm trying to come up with a couple of like profound experiences myself that I could share with people. And the only thing on my mind is uh, life is hard, but your Mountain Dew doesn't have to be. <laughs> oh, we are all knitted together in the fabric of the Baja Blast. <laughs> Baja Blast through that glass ceiling, women. You got this. <laughs> now with peyote. Uh, <laughs> no. But no, no, but no added peyote, just the no original added peyote. Amount. Yeah, just the original amount of peyote that was already in Baja Blast. Mm -hmm. uh, so in 1972, Swami Satchitananda founded two Yogaville centers. And at the time, he actually called them Satchitananda ashrams. Okay. Now they're called Yogaville centers. He forms one in California, which comes to be known as Yogaville West, and one in Connecticut, uh, which... at for a brief period of time is known as Yogaville East. I'll explain why in a little bit, because they end up replacing that one with something else. Um, but they act as headquarters for Integral Yoga, the company he founds. And he also founds 
hundreds of smaller schools and groups across the country. And he knew he needed a bigger centralized headquarters. Literally within a couple years, he's already outgrowing these two Yogaville centers. So in the mid-1970s, he comes into possession of 750 acres of land in Virginia. Okay. Now... We'll just skip over how. I mean, well, that's a... it's not 100% clear where this land comes from. I strongly suspect at least a portion of it is a donation from one of his devotees. But the other option is that he could have purchased it because they had enough money at the time. Um, I think maybe it's either a donation or it's a combination of the two where he gets a partial donation of a huge portion of that land and then buys additional land. Mm. Um, Regardless, they now have this land in Virginia and this is where they decide to move the Connecticut Yogaville. So this now becomes Yogaville East and this becomes the hub for all things Satchitananda. The new location features a large central shrine, and at the time, it housed about 150 people with plans to grow to 1,000 or more residents. It does grow that large. So at current day, present day, there are probably at least 1,000 people. It's capable of housing at least 1,000 people. There's at least several hundred people at any given time, and not all of them are residents uh, it is open for visitors so you can go and stay and take like yoga classes and seminars there but another thing they offer is if you want to be a resident it costs very little to do so um at a couple years back npr did an article and an investigation into this and it was only costing something like 300 to 350 dollars a month And again, this may have changed because it was a few years ago. In exchange for you would work on the janitorial or kitchen staff or some other staff position to basically offset your rent. But it becomes a bit of a hub for people who maybe are unhoused and want some time to get back on their feet. It's an option for them. So that is kind of a cool program, although it really toes the line of like, you know, unpaid labor a little bit. Yeah. Um, where you can argue that, yes, they're receiving housing in exchange for that, but it's very regimented and strict housing. It's it's only serves a specific subset. Um, it so, also sounds like yeah. you're not really making enough to save up to get out of this position. Yeah, that's my concern as well, because and it doesn't specifically say how much work you're doing. Uh, The people that NPR interviewed largely were able to work their way out of it where they spent like a period of time there and it helped them to no longer be unhoused because they were able to like find a new job or whatever. But I feel like that vagueness has a lot of uh, room for potential abuse when that happens. So yeah, it's a little, little tricky where it could be good, but it could also be not so good, depending mm-hmm. on on your situation. Um, and they've been kind of doing some version of that literally ever since it opened. So um, that's kind of how they build out a lot of the center as well. By 1976, Swami Satchitananda was a regular on the TV circuit as a health and wellness contributor. Um, here's a quote from the book Home Fires that we referenced in our sources. 
Swami Satchidananda shuttled from airport to airport, an inner peacemaker, never in greater demand. He's out to a holistic health conference in San Diego, then back to New York for his annual Swami and the Rabbi dialogue with Joseph Gilberman, a hip yoga practicing Manhattan rabbi. Then he's off immediately to speak at Rutgers University before leaving for Los Angeles. Logging first class air miles like a CEO or a rock star, the Swami jetted off on a spiritual tour of Hawaii, Fiji, and New Zealand, where a large crowd of upstanding Wellington Anglicans came to listen to him speak about universal consciousness. Back home, executives of the Pillsbury Corporation heard Satchitananda's views on nutrition. Food not only makes the body, he then explained to the dehydrators of hungry jack potato flakes, it makes the mind. Restlessness of the mind is caused by the diet. Everywhere people were searching for answers, so the apostle of peace, as he was called, was always on the road. So he's literally, anyone who will pay him to show up, he's there. Yeah. He is on the road for whoever has checks. Uh, he gets called both by Pillsbury, but also by like cereal companies, um, like that- Jenny Craig Weight Watchers, like all of it. Was that what that was? The what? What did you say? The 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 dehydrated potato flakes. Yeah, a company, uh, Hungry Jack Potato Flakes, huh. for making like like uh, like if you want to make quick mashed potatoes, dehydrated potato flakes. Yeah, but but literally that just illustrates like anyone who he like wanted to talk to him, he would be on uh, talk shows, especially. Um, and this is before the rise of talk shows in the 90s so this is not the same as what we're thinking of this is a little more late night um but he would be on the news giving like recipes he does a lot of like food stuff which i find really interesting because that wasn't necessarily a huge part of his message Mm -hmm. but i think people at the time were equating yoga and health and so they would ask him about food a lot um but a lot of his answers are just kind of like you should eat stuff that's good for you that makes your body feel good. <laughs> I'm like, so I actually no-brainer. found one of his recipes here. Oh yeah. It says the ingredients are a quarter ounce Baja Blast and two <laughs> gallons of vodka. Jesus. I mean, you got to get what makes your body feel good. Like it's so simple. Like <laughs> exactly. I don't know why. Like, if you want to see the curvature of the earth and the interconnected net that keeps us all together, you're going to have to drink a lot more vodka and Baja Blast. Yeah. But, I mean, the question is, how bad do you really want enlightenment? Exactly. I'm just trying to see the curvature of my own body, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. (laughs) Because Mm. that stuff Mm -hmm. is not good for me. (laughs) (laughs) Something that Satchitananda was great at was adapting with the times. So as construction on the main buildings in the shrine at the new Yogaville headquarters in Virginia were underway, Satchitananda starts indulging in his new obsession, personal computers. Oh. And this is early days, but he was fascinated by personal computers. He had one for the business and one for at home. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually was using early CAD modeling engineering programs to create the design images for what would become the giant Lotus at Yogaville. So like he's designing that shit himself. He's not a dumb guy by any stretch. Um, And he designs his own mausoleum uh, with AutoCAD. And this is like, 
CAD modeling is brand fucking new yeah. at the time. Like we're talking floppy disks. Like it's wild. But he's such a proponent of early personal computer technology that he gets like featured in magazines. He goes on the news to talk about it. He ends up talking to like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Like it's wild that he gets thrown into the mix of this like technological advancement. While he's still popular with devotees at the time, counterculture popularity was waning overall because we're getting into the 80s. So this is getting into widespread skepticism about groups like Yogaville and the need for ashrams in general. Remember, uh, Jonestown has just happened, so people are very suspicious of his type of organization. Uh, the Satanic Panic is picking up, and they are not necessarily a Christian organization, although he very strongly stresses, he's like, no, anything goes here. <laughs> like, any God works, it's fine. Um, but a lot of him doing that is to try and kind of deflect the eye of people who are afraid of cults and people who are afraid of non-Christian religions away from him. But despite his best efforts, a lot of the satellite Yogaville schools closed while the Virginia Yogaville is still under construction. Well, duh, now, it's because he put them on satellites in space. What, am I going to yeah. take a rocket ship to go to your school, dummy? <laughs> you could fuel it with Baja Blast. Baja <laughs> Blast off into your healthiest future. Check out our website. It's the first. It's one of the first ones. Yeah, it's one of the first. Uh, that And here's what's kind of funny. And all of their like, we're one of the first to do X. They don't mention any of the personal computer shit. And I'm like, no, he actually is one of the first in this one thing. Like, he could legitimately claim that. Yeah. Um. So with most of those schools closed, the Virginia Yogaville starts to attract a celebrity following because like if you wanted to be a celebrity into yoga, that's the place to go. And so his celebrity clientele included Mia Farrow, George Harrison, Jeff Goldblum, Bob Dylan, Elia Kazan, Robert De Niro, and even Donna Karen later on. Remember Donna Karen? We will get to her in just a bit. Some of his students even become yoga teachers, most notably singer-songwriter Carol King, who ends up becoming a yoga teacher who then teaches other celebrities. What the fuck? It's wild. Where, like, his popularity is starting to wane outside his walls, but celebrities are always in for some weird shit, and so he still has enough money and enough people to keep that main Yogaville Center going and Yogaville West going, that everything kind of starts to centralize in those two places. And a lot of their satellite stuff becomes like mail order or uh, eventually they end up on the internet a lot because they are an early adopter of the internet. They still thrive. They manage to kind of adapt with the times. And as they completed each piece of construction on the compound, they held huge celebrations. They opened the compound officially to the public in 1980. Although parts of it had been open previously, they opened the entire compound in 1980. It was not complete at the time. Uh, full construction was completed in 1986, and it is beautiful. However, a lot of the TripAdvisor reviews will claim that they haven't updated stuff since 1986. Hmm. 
So there's so many TripAdvisor things that are like the rooms are old and it smells stale. It's like an old motel. And I'm like, you're there to gain enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why you're going and you're going to be like this carpet is dated. <laughs> but if you ever want to read a whole bunch of reviews by people fully missing the point, I highly recommend the TripAdvisor for Yogaville. Uh, I'm trying to open up my third eye and I can't do that with all of my earthly pleasures not being pleasurable. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, they also say that the food is bland. Well, that's... And I'm like, first of all, you're in Virginia. Secondly... <laughs> Fuck you, Virginia, you dumbass. Secondly... It's you're just there. You're supposed to transcend bland food to find enlightenment. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so in 1986, they had a celebration to celebrate uh, Yogaville being open. It was attended by Doc Antle and his elephant bubbles and some of his tigers. Um, and Satchidananda decided to bless Yogaville by dumping holy water onto the building dome while leaning out of a helicopter. Um, oh, that's pretty badass. That's though. pretty fucking great. Yes. Oh, God. That's like almost a scene from Scarface. And you get to be in the splash zone. Are you kidding yeah. me? That's awesome. I am picturing Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 6 or whichever the one with Henry Cavill is, because that's the only one I tend to watch repeatedly, hanging off that like helicopter bit, just like dumping Home Depot buckets of water onto this building. Like <laughs> that's how I'm picturing the Swami doing it. Or controversial statement, get the biggest super soaker you could find Ooh. and then lean out of the side of a helicopter commando style and just like, just sow your wild oats over the entire building. Okay, I got a question for you. Sure. How how do I put this? When it comes to the logistics of blessing water and making it holy water, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. is the like volume maximum that priests are allowed to bless at one time? This is a great question that I have no answers to. Uh in my in my flavor of Jesus, there is no holy water. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a part of our belief system. Uh, if I can go by the uh, documentary film La Llorona, you Ooh, could bless yeah. an entire swimming pool to kill a ghost. So I'm, I'm guessing there's no limit to the amount you could bless per se. Okay. Okay. That brings me to my second point. I think I've figured it all out. Um, mm. I figured out a way to, to guarantee that one earth will be a better, more holy place. And two, mm -hmm. we can absolutely eliminate all threats of vampires completely. Here's what mm, I'm blessing saying. The oceans. We take one priest, we put him in a rocket, we send him to space and Ooh. he looks at the earth and blesses all of the water in earth. I think you have to touch it. I could be wrong. Catholics. I know you're going to email me. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. I, in From what I understand, I thought you had to touch it. I don't know. I could be wrong. That's how it happened in La Llorona. And we all know that can't be false. Yeah, exactly. Also, I really hope that touching it is not part of it um, because that's gross. You're just, it's um, not holy water. It's contaminated water. Okay. But like, what if you could bless regular Baja Blast <gasps> to make it hard Baja Blast. Oh, 
I want to be like Midas, but instead of turning everything to gold, I turn it all into headaches and bad shits. <laughs> oh, and then we just pour it over the whole world from a helicopter. Just like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm back on board. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's dumping Baja Blast over his own building that he designed himself. And he designed himself from a fucking helicopter while Doc Antle's just like roaming around on the grounds with tigers. Like that's not a fully fucking dangerous thing. Uh, And his elephant bubbles at this time. uh, And we'll go over it more in the next couple of weeks when we talk about Doc Antle specifically. He has already gotten those two tigers specifically into an Exxon commercial. Wow. So like that's bringing some notoriety too because he constantly makes vhs tapes talking about how much he loves swami Satchitananda. it's a whole thing what is the what's the why did what is the point of having them in the exxon commercial god i don't know advertising back in the day was fucking weird i mean it's (laughs) like do you remember on mad men when they drove that john deere tractor over somebody's foot and everyone was like that's crazy but it was like not even remotely the craziest thing that happened on that show yeah i feel like that's how exxon gets tigers in their commercials where they're just like fuck it it's the 80s there's enough cocaine to like cover the beaches as like as if it was sand Mm -hmm. uh let's Mm -hmm. just put tigers and everything I mean, think about how often tigers come up when people are on cocaine. Absolutely. It's a staple of cocaine. And Absolutely. Uh, sec- okay, I got two things for you. Firstly, sure. um, my perfect beach is cocaine sands and Baja Blast waters. <laughs> Just heart attack beach. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not going to live for very long once I get it. You know how the beach from old makes you old? The uh, I want to make a prequel called <laughs> a Young. A cocaine beast with Baja Blast waves. Yeah, that's my prequel called Young, and that's the Young Beach. It turns you uh, way too young. Anyway. But Y-U-N-G, yeah. Young Beach. Turns you into a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But also a savvy businessman. <laughs> Check out my mixtape, The Village 2, is dropping next week. Um, Yeah, secondly, uh, I... Oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say. I got too hung up on the cocaine beaches. I mean, how could you not? Um, It's cocaine as a beach ah, that's Baja Blast waves. That's what it was. So I'm thinking about this Exxon commercial, and from uh, from the perspective of like somebody who does marketing or whatever right it's probably like our gas is gonna make you go faster than this tiger whatever something like that but if i was a fucking ad executive Mm -hmm. i would just show two tigers on screen and be like if you go to chevron these tigers will fucking kill you (laughs) All other gas stations have tigers at them, and Exxon is the only place you'll be safe. Do you remember what happened to Siegfried and Roy? (laughs) Yeah, they went to fucking Shell. (laughs) Idiot. Yeah. So how about you stop going to the come and go, you fucking dipshit, and come on over to Exxon, the only gas station where we guarantee that there won't be tigers, except for these two. But we're putting them down after this video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rudy's is okay because they got meat and tigers like meat. <laughs> Absolutely. So from the outside with people dumping Baja Blast from helicopters onto buildings, mm-hmm. everything seemed dope. But inside, things are a little bit different. 
again, I have an excerpt from Home Fires uh, about some of the time living in Satchitananda's ashram after Yogaville's complete. So from the perspective of those close to Satchitananda, Yogaville was under siege from a crass external culture that was at the gate. And just as in hundreds of other American communities of a more secular caste, the ashram leaders responded with a call for protection of the family, better care of the children, and a return to the authority and traditions basic to a decent yoga life. On the ashram where alcohol and drugs had long been strictly controlled, dozens of one-time children of rock and roll sat down to make lists of offensive songs and television shows to be banned within Yogaville's borders. Soon after, dating between ashram children was banned through the end of high school. Then all children attending ashram school were asked to sign a document pledging that they would not date, have sexual contact, or listen to restricted music or watch restricted television shows. So essentially, they go from being kind of like catering to counterculture and the flower children to being as restrictive and conservative as the rest of the 80s which is kind of confusing for a lot of the people there. And also the rules don't seem to apply equally. So Yeah, they never fucking do. I bet this guy was playing fucking Led Zeppelin and drinking his brains out and fucking everything. <laughs> the, the tricky thing about it is, so Satchitananda himself never... Uh, comes out in favor of the new restrictions, but it's understood that they're coming from the top. Mm -hmm. um, but he does start preaching about the breakdown of the extended family in the United States uh, and how he believed that children are now being robbed of their mothers because their mothers are in the workforce. And there's a lot of speeches and themes regarding women and their place in society. At one point, he said that he would rather see a Yogaville mother in rags than to have her leave her children to go to work. So he really leans into this, like, women should be in the fucking kitchen idea. So stupid. Yeah. Women can't it even is. make Baja Blast, all right? <laughs> uh, but if you drink enough Baja Blast, mm -hmm. your pussy will taste like... Uh, a nightmare. Sadness? Yeah. A nightmare. <laughs> Fucking terrible, I'm assuming. Oh, oh god. No, I'm I'm not gonna do that experiment. No. Oh god. Last night she squirted all over me and it was neon blue. Oh <laughs> it ate through my sheets. <laughs> oh guys, I don't know if this makes sense, but my girl got a pussy like the mouth from Alien. It just <laughs> Just like attack the block with that shit. Just blue and glowing in the middle of a pile of hair. Uh, moreover, they start to preach a pretty strict doctrine of austerity. Uh, they don't want women to work, so most families are one-income families. Uh, in some cases, teenage girls are sent to the ashram kind of like people would send people to a nunnery where... They're sent there to, air quotes, keep them safe from the outside society. But those rules on austerity didn't apply to Satchitananda, who regularly took his private plane and fancy cars wherever he wanted to. And it seemed like he wasn't keeping his vow of celibacy either. 
1990 to 1991, women started coming forward with stories of sexual misconduct at the hands of Satchitananda. And when confronted about it, he claimed, they know it is all false. I don't know where they're saying these things. My life is an open book. There's nothing for me to hide. But here are the complaints in question. Susan Cohen, who was a Connecticut mental health therapist, claims that Swami Satchidananda took advantage of her when she was a student of his from 1969 to 1977. So this is really early. This is like early days in America. Uh, she says that he would often pressure her into sexual acts under the guise that it was part of her spiritual journey. This is something we've also seen with like Sai Baba and a couple other people like this at the time. She moved into the Integral Yoga Institute in Connecticut in 1970 before the Virginia uh, Yogaville was built. She was 18 at the time, which means that potentially she and Swami Satchitananda had sexual contact pre-legal. So like she could have been 17 during their first sexual experience. She says that she moved in because he was one of the best known gurus in the country and I was his student. He called us his spiritual daughters and eventually she was assigned to be his secretary. She says that he sexualized their relationship almost immediately and she realized it wasn't right. But part of the teaching of Swami Satchitananda is obedience. And so she believed that he used his power basically as a way to manipulate their relationship. Uh, she does eventually leave obviously. Um, and she leaves literally only a few years after. So Yogaville's not even completely built yet before she leaves the group. Uh, then there's Sylvia Shapiro, who was a 19-year-old student in 1971 when Swami Satchidananda, uh, according to her, asked her to accompany him on a worldwide trip. Uh, she says that he was his, he was her guru and it was exciting to be chosen to go along with him. Um, but unfortunately on the trip, she was taught to wait on him like a servant. Uh, she was relegated to cooking and to photograph his public appearances and to give him massages twice a day. When they got to their leg of the trip in the Philippines, the massage allegedly turned into oral sex. She said she was very upset, but didn't want to talk about it. And he told her that he knew best and that she shouldn't worry about it. She also left the group shortly after. God. The allegations in 1991 uh, come to the forefront and a woman named Joy Zuckerman, who was still living at Yogaville at the time, she comes forward and chooses to leave after one of her friends confides in her that Satchitananda had recently made sexual advances and she tried to get more people to come forward. She then headed the organization for former Satchitananda followers um, who had been subjects of sexual harassment. Uh, the group is called Healing the Truth, and she's organized multiple protests at his keynote speeches prior to his death. When approached about the allegations again, with now many of them coming forward, he chooses to kind of brush them off. He says, there's no need to respond. If the public wants to believe that, they can believe that. They're free to feel that way. If they don't feel comfortable with me, they can go learn from somebody else. What the Which fuck? Is yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he then continues saying, I believe that God is using me as an instrument. I'm just here, like a or I'm just there, like a river is there. And those who want to come and take a bath may do so, and those who do not want to do not have to. Which is kind of fucked up when people accuse you of harassment to just be like, 
fine, go learn from somebody else. Yeah. Um, I do, I do though, yeah. and and not to make light of anything because that's all fucking terrible. But he said one thing in there that I I believe that God is using me as an instrument, which begs the question: If you were an instrument for God, what instrument <laughs> would you be? I, well, I am going to start out by saying that I think the instrument that Swami Satchitananda is referring to is a speculum. Sure. Uh, but that's, you know, horrifying and terrible. But I think if God had to use me as an instrument, ooh, I'm going to go with Ocarina. Hmm. That's pretty good. I'm going to. What are you feeling? I'm going to go with like giant cymbal crash, like a giant <laughs> gong. Shh. Yeah, because it's like, nice. I, yeah, I, it doesn't matter. I'll kind of fit in anywhere and I'll just be really loud and disruptive and uh, <laughs> louder than every other instrument. Actually, I take I take it back. Instead of ocarina, I want to be a recorder, Ooh. like plastic recorder, like children blow. Oh, Paige. Not because of that, mm. because it's off key and kind of off putting. But we all kind of had to learn how to do it. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Fair enough. It's, kinda, it's, it's like forced popularity. <laughs> I also find it a, to be a hilarious sound because it always sounds bad pretty much no matter what. I'm also going to go with uh, a, a, a bass guitar. Um, bass guitar is a pretty sweet one. Because I, wa- I like to be slapped and fingered. Hey, oh, hey, oh. <laughs> hey, but you're consenting to being slapped and fingered. Yeah, of course. As long as everyone is consenting to the slapping and fingering that's being slapped and fingered, I think we cool. <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to need everyone to consent to hear recorders in their ears. Everybody <laughs> know. Anyway. It's about right now that Rick Ross enters the oh. chat. Ooh. Oh. Except it's Rick Ross, the cult researcher, not the rapper, as we have had to explain uh, a, a number of here, times. Here, let me do that yeah. guy's uh, uh, sound. <clears throat> ah. Great. So now we're familiar with Rick Ross here. He runs Cult Education Institute, which is a forum for survivor stories and cult news. He's also written books on cults, and he was friends with none other than Black fucking lightning himself and also uh paul morantz who is is our occasional pro bono loner loner Loner. he's our loner occasionally our pro bono lawyer uh and survived getting bit by that snake yeah fucking crazy by synanon yep so he is friends with both of them and rick ross would also be retained by parents for deprogramming at this time. Now, his methods are not the same as Black Lightning's, but he is part of that culture. And it's around this time that, according to him, he's retained by the family of a young woman who is living at Yogaville. And at the same time, this gets some traction in the news because Donna Karen lists classes at Yogaville as one of her favorite things in an issue of Vanity Fair. Now, in today's world, somebody would then just go on Twitter and be like, it's a cult, and it would be a whole trending Twitter thing for a few days. But that's not possible at the time. So Rick Ross actually, like, hits the news circuit to talk about this article in Vanity Fair, but back when print media mattered. Now... As we know from our deprogramming episodes, it is possible 
that this girl was fine and chose to go to Yogaville on her own. We don't know for sure. We only have Rick Ross's account, which is as follows. Rick Ross, who is based in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, is retained by the family of a New York law student who a few months ago had attended the same yoga class that Donna Karen would list in Vanity Fair. The student cut off connections with her family after she moved to Yogaville. Allegedly, she had then married a member of the ashram who was 30 years older than her and began living at the ashram in Virginia. So after seeing that issue of Vanity Fair, Ross got in touch with the media, discussed her details, and was trying to essentially reach her through the media, which they don't really have TVs and a lot of news on the ashram, so it's not super successful. Uh, But he does it to also bring light to the sex scandals that had come out in 90 and 91. Now, at this point, Donna Karen backpedals and she has her spokeswoman, Patty Cohen, uh, make a statement that says that Donna Karen had no knowledge of the allegations regarding Swami Satchitananda. And if she had, she would have never endorsed the yoga center. And she basically is like, I just mentioned it was a favorite place. I didn't know. Now, at the time, Swami Ashokadananda, who was the ashram president, uh, claimed that the ashram and Yogaville itself was being harassed by Rick Ross, who, quote, is a criminal and convicted felon and has some kind of vendetta against us. Now, by the way, Rick Ross is not a convicted felon. <laughs> this is not a thing. They're thinking of Black Dynamite, uh, I think. They're kind of conflating the two. When was this? This is in the mid-90s. Maybe they're so thinking by, of by Freeway time, Rick Ross? Well, maybe, but in the mid-90s, Black Lightning has already been to prison a number of times. Deprogramming has kind of soured in the cultural consciousness. And so even though Rick Ross is doing a lot more like exit counseling that we do today, he's not like kidnapping people and shit. No, Uh, absolutely not. He gets associated with a lot of the same stuff. I just, Um, I'm hoping, and I know it's probably super unlikely and not at all the truth, but I'm hoping that with the limited amount of research power they had, (laughs) they were able to... They just thought it was the other Rick They were looking up Rick Ross and they accidentally found Freeway Rick Ross, the drug dealer who was convicted around that time uh whose story was stolen by correctional officer who right, then right. went by the rap name rick ross rick ross yes um so rick ross colt rick ross yeah has to then publicly come out and explain that he had served four years probation for a small burglary 25 years previous when he was like 19 or 20 and has had a squeaky clean record since. So he basically is like, I'm not a convicted felon. I did serve probation for like petty theft, but not a felony, like definitely a misdemeanor. And that was 20 years ago. God, I wonder what he was trying to take. I don't know. I'm so curious. Um, But the... Slights against Rick Ross fall kind of on deaf ears. He definitely kind of wins this battle a little bit because Yogaville aren't the only ones dealing with this problem at the time. 
multiple other yoga gurus of the same type at the same time and even a little bit later are being accused. So reports for this one come a little bit later, but Sri K. Patabi uh, Joa Ashtanga allegedly inserted his fingers into some of his students' vaginas, oh, their vulvas, okay. uh, and told them that it was to adjust their mulabandas, the body's lowest chakra, which lies between the genitals and the anus. Because uh, apparently there's a taint chakra. I did not know that. Uh, but apparently he was reaching into their vaginal openings without their consent to adjust their taint chakra. And after he passed away, his grandson became the director of the Yoga Institute and issued an official apology for that. But this is happening around the same time. Yeah. So you in nineteen. You're telling. No, go ahead. You're telling me that while everyone's trying to open up their third eye, this guy's trying to open up a second asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to drink. <laughs> <I'm so sorry. laughs> or a second vulva. Oh. But here's what I want to know. Mm. Here's here's my thing. What do you do with your yoga students that don't? have a vulva um i think it was a lie <laughs> i think it was a hundred percent a lie that he was just yeah, using uh, to no, explain away sure. sexual assault yeah i get yeah. what you're saying yeah. though of just like well how do you explain that to you know everyone else yeah yeah, yeah. and i think that uh, yeah. i don't think he thought that far <laughs> i don't think so either uh, in 1994, so only a couple years after the allegations come out about Satchidananda, Amrit Desai, the founder of Kripalu Center for Yoga, a well-known yoga retreat at the time, was also accused of sleeping with his students while saying that he practiced celibacy. He actually admits to having sexual contact with three women, but there are allegations that it's many, many more than three. And then, of course, there's the one that I'm sure all of you know about if you keep up on your documentaries. Uh, this happens a little bit later, but Bikram Chowdhury, the founder of Hot or Bikram Yoga, has faced multiple civil lawsuits for sexual misconduct, including one filed by his own lawyer in 2013. And he had so many that he was forced to flee the country. Uh, he is now, I, I believe was last seen living in the Philippines. I'm not sure if he is still there. I, um, I, okay. Yeah. Obviously never do sexual assault. Okay. Like yeah, a blanket statement, never do that. So, but let's never use this as it. a fucking, uh, as an analogy. Then if you are being tried for robbery, don't also rob your lawyer. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, and she, I, she's in the documentary about him and we will do an episode on Bikram at some point because it's a disgusting, but fascinating story about how some, if you don't check up and question what people say, mm -hmm their lies give them power yeah. in a way where Bikram, Bikram like creates this whole persona around himself. That's total bullshit. And then literally just uses it as an excuse to abuse people for the entire time that he is famous. Uh, so we will do an episode on him, but like, yeah, his, his lawyer is 
amazingly strong, I would say, yeah. because she's taking on what seemed to be an unwinnable case with a, not a lot in her favor and a lot of costs associated and emotional cost of actually going to court. And she is resolved to take him down. And I fucking love her. She's great. <laughs> like, she is one of the best parts of the documentary. You end up really liking her. Yeah, I'm already so. on board. And I, I can't wait to cover that story. Because like you said, it sounds already disgusting in two different ways. One, disgusting because the guy's a fucking scumbag. But two, hot yoga. Ugh. Oh, man. And they go over, like, the reality of what his hot yoga classes were like. And... And some of the health problems that happened that people that like didn't get publicized mm. were like people would get hospitalized and shit. Um, but also, I just don't like sweating that no, much. No, especially yeah, I don't. I don't like sweating. I don't like being around other people while I sweat. And I especially don't like being in a trapped room where everyone is sweating together. I could just imagine how disgusting it would be, and being in that room just like, oh my god, oh oh Jesus, somebody open a second vulva in here, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here's what I think. I think if I, I think I'd be down if I didn't have to do it around other people. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if I was in a room by myself doing it, and then after got to shower or whatever, I think I'd be really down. But like in a in a conference room at a hotel <laughs> no thank you yeah. that sounds terrible and i feel that way about everything like when i was uh when i was looking for new apartments right i went to this uh this nice apartment that was in hollywood really cool place and uh mm -hmm. one of the things was they were showing me with all the amenities and they go we've got a sauna a sauna page that you can use i do like saunas yeah that you can use 24 hours and at first i was like oh my god that's amazing and she goes yeah and it's available to all of our 2000 residents and i go oh oh god no i don't want to be in a sweaty <laughs> room that's contained upwards of 2000 people go fuck yourself no think of how many balls that could be yeah that's at least okay even if it's a 50-50 split, that's like a thousand people. Uh, let's say that's, that's at least two thousand balls. And, well, you say at least two thousand balls. That's true. It's probably close to two thousand balls. Let's say at least fifteen hundred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, if that's what is that? If that's like a quarter of the population of this place only has one ball, I'm also questioning that. What's going on here? Are the bidets <laughs> too strong? All the balls go. <laughs> Like somebody just super soakered one of your nuts to death. <laughs> it's okay though, because I had a priest come and bless the holy water in my bidet. <laughs> yeah, I had a priest come and sprinkle Mountain Dew mm -hmm. Baja Blast in the corners of my apartment. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, God damn it, am I sticky? But it's the only way to get and forgive me for this. A holy shit. Oh. So back to. <laughs> Our story. I would love to tell you that victims of Satchitananda got their day in court or at least acknowledgement of what they went through, but they didn't. They were mostly ignored. In 2002, Swami Satchitananda died of a thoracic embolism, which killed him almost immediately. He was 87 at the time. God damn. The New York Times, the LA Times, and the San Francisco Chronicle all ran obituaries commemorating his life. Not a single one of them mentioned the abuse. Not one. That's fucking, that sucks so much ass. And it's, it's literally 10 years before. And it was a, a news story, like a widely publicized news story 
Not a single one of them mention it. And that's all the air quotes liberal news media. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, fucking shame on all of you. Like, that's ridiculous. None of them mention it. When we get into Doc Antle's story next week, we'll dive into this a little bit more because I think the abuse that Doc Antle ends up being involved in is due in part to a culture that starts at Yogaville. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a culture of diminishing and not believing women. And it kind of contributes to what he's able to get away with. Because, again, these women who came forward get ignored. They they don't see justice for what has happened. And in large part, any responses from Yogaville have been that they are lying and that they do not believe these women, especially even now after the Netflix documentary has come out that we will be using as one of our one of our sources for the next couple episodes, where multiple women give their accounts and they are consistent accounts and they're not necessarily gaining anything from saying them, they still deny a lot of it. But almost in a way of admitting that wrong was done without actually giving any kind of acknowledgement or apology, following Sachidananda's death, Yogaville updates their conduct rules. And quote, as a certified integral yoga teacher, I agree to uphold the following ethical principles. And they have a list of a number of them, but these two stand out. To use respectful language free from profanity, prejudice, insults, abusive language, or verbal threats, and to avoid words and actions that constitute sexual or other forms of harassment. And we will pick up with Doc Antle next week. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. All right. So, yeah, I got to go watch these new Tiger King episodes or whatever, because this shit sounds it, insane. Yeah, it's specifically the Doc Antle one. So Tiger King season two has like no Doc Antle in it. Mm -hmm. And then Doc Antle has his own standalone one. Ah, and I, I heard the full title for that was Documentary Antle. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's it is sad oh, i am sorry yeah. to tell you it's rough <laughs> i would assume so every time that fucking asshole is on screen i'm just like you suck so much dude yeah yeah <sighs> well hey if you're out there listening um this episode was brought to you by alcoholic baja blast and we don't mean the official drink from taco bell I mean Baja Blast drinking, 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 drunk, <laughs> drunk by drunks, drink, drinked by drunkards, yeah, drinkards, drinkards, exactly like myself. So hey, if you see me out there in the streets and I'm drunk, just walk up and give me a Baja Blast. I'm probably not gonna drink <laughs> it, but I will use it if you know what I'm saying. I'm gonna put it in my bidet. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> What happens if you put soda in a soda stream? Does it come out extra soda? It'll actually clog one of the pumps. Oh, tight. So that seems like a design flaw. Well, no, because it's meant to carbonate. So it's infusing whatever liquid you put in it with gas, mm -hmm. which can then carbonate it. Now, the other option you have, and I was going to tell you this about the hot dog water and totally <laughs> forgot. Um, <laughs> there is... A, a device called a gourmet whip which mm -hmm. is used to make like foams and mousses gross and what we used to use them for at sur la table sometimes is that you could put a bunch of grapes and champagne in there and then charge it with a whip it 
and then you would have champagne infused grapes. So in theory, you could put hot dogs and hot dog water into one of them. And I think you might be able to carbonate a hot dog where you bite into a hot dog and it's carbonated on the inside like Pop Rocks. Paige, I'm about to fucking vomit. (laughs) (laughs) That is the grossest thing you've ever said to me in my entire life. I'm just saying that the last time you were super high on edibles, you were asking these questions. There was just no easy way for me to give you these answers. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, okay. So what we're referencing is... I would recommend is... doing it with Vienna sausages. No. <laughs> or, or like Little Smokies. Oh, Christ. <laughs> the last time I did a, a gaming stream, so not this last week, but the week before, uh, I took a bunch of edibles and I played The Forest and somebody asked me the question... Uh, if, if, would you take a million dollars if for an entire year, any water you had access to turned into hot dog water? Uh, and then we started talking about how there's water in everything. So like the water in my Coca-Cola would turn into hot dog water. water. And then I went, you know what? Let's just fully commit to it. Can I make hot dog water soda? Can I get a soda stream and carbonate hot dog water? And I found out you super can, and I super don't want to. And now I have to, now I feel like I have to do this. I mean, I don't want to taste it. No. But the benefit is, is that if I'm making these little fucking perked up little hot boys or whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, pop dogs. Pop dogs. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And fuck you. Honestly, <laughs> if I'm if I'm making these little pop dogs, the only benefit I can think of is that I'll also have the all of the ingredients to do whippets. So that's it. You can, but you should not do whippets. It's what was that? Yeah, you shouldn't. Don't do it. I don't know what you're talking about. Just ask Steve-O. I know. I mean, I only have like eight brain cells left anyway, so gotta be careful. Oh, seven. (laughs) Yeah, we can't waste one on pop dogs. (laughs) Ugh. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that is a part of your life now. Yeah, this episode was brought to you by pop dogs, and um, (laughs) ugh. And uh, each package comes with a complimentary uh, b- b- container of barf bags. Just FYI. Hey. You're going to need them. Put a little more excitement into your Super Bowl spread. Pop dogs. <laughs> if you bring this, to- I will fucking kill you. If you. <laughs> I'm getting real angry here. Look, here's the thing. If, if you, you want to. If you carbonate hot dogs. And you could prove it to us and you make people taste them without telling them ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Send pictures of that shit. Yeah, please. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a hate crime if you do it, though. <laughs> I'm not sure towards what group. I think humanity as a whole. But ugh, gross. Hey, the point was, is that none of that's real, hopefully. And we're actually uh, we're, we're actually uh, brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Bye-bye. Thank you to everyone who has gone to patreon.com slash cult podcast and donated at one of the tiers that we have available. Um, also, if you're looking to listen to the show somewhere that can support us a little bit, go to Rooster Teeth. doodle doo. I sure do love me some pop dogs. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs>
Oh, go to roosterteeth.com, download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, your mobile device, all that good stuff. Check out all of the wonderful, amazing content that they have there, uh, including our own podcast. Uh, And yes, I'm going to say this. Hey, if you want to see me outside of Cult Podcast, well, boy, oh boy, do you have your chance. When does this come out again? Monday? The Monday. day it always comes <laughs> the out? The day it always comes out. Have you been eating too many Maha Blast infused <laughs> pop dogs? <laughs> I've just been, yeah, I've just been chugging tequila and Baja Blast. I make it together in my mouth <laughs> until the real thing comes out. Um, if you want to see me, uh, I am Twitch streaming every Tuesday and every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, on Tuesdays, I do a music stream. On Thursdays, I play games. Uh, I also occasionally am going to stream on the weekends. I think, uh, this comes out on Monday, so yesterday on Sunday, I think I played Halo with Todd from Horror Virgin, nice. um, and we did like a little little gang stream. So um, yeah, come on, come through, come check us out. We're good. Uh, I've started recording my streams so that I can cut them down into videos and post them on YouTube, and uh, they're a lot of fun. Um, also, if you uh, if you like me, I do another podcast called the Funhouse Podcast. Uh, I do it for work, <laughs> and um, it's really fun. House podcast, the name <laughs> of the show. Uh, it's a good time. It's it's got the whole crew from Funhouse. It's a super it's a super blast, and I enjoy doing the show a lot. Um, but we are doing a live show in March, I believe. Uh, and so information on that is going to come real soon. I think it's going to be, I don't remember the name of the theater, but it's in Los Angeles, March 12th. Get ready. More information coming soon. It's part of a very normal podcast tour. Um, and it's going to be a blast. So yeah, hope to see you there. Follow me on all social media. Mondo does stuff or at Mondo does stuff, I guess. M A N D O does stuff. That's Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, all of that shit, including um tiktok even yeah go follow me there i forgot that i had it and i have gone down several thousand followers (laughs) because i don't post anything but maybe i will uh moving forward as i make more content or whatever so yeah come check us out come check me out i love you so much good night goodbye forever i gotta go throw up (laughs) hey it's your girl Paige. i'm here every week with those hot fire pop dog recipes fuck you uh, if you want to hear my voice more than you just did you can listen to horror virgin and romancing the pod this week coming up uh on romancing the pod we have magic mike xxl so if you want to hear the kind of <laughs> madness i'm gonna say about that movie please tune in uh live show dates February 18th, I will be in Santa Cruz with Crystal Adams. March 4th, I will be in San Diego. Uh, And then later in March, I have some dates coming up in Texas. If you want to know more about that, keep an eye on my social media. I will announce more when I have more info. Uh, You can also follow me on uh, Twitter at Paige Wesley or Instagram at Rampage Wesley. Also at Rampage Wesley on TikTok. Um, yeah. Make pop dogs. Tell me all about it. Bye. No. Don't you dare. 
Hey, if you want to follow the show, you can uh, by going to at Colt Podcast on Instagram. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also send us an email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us pop dogs preserved <sighs> in a mason jar. Ugh. Or just pop rocks. Mm-hmm. You could send those to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, shining, the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. I swear to God, somebody's probably made hot dog flavored Pop Rocks before, and I need to find I them. I feel like if there is not a hot dog flavored soda, then mm-hmm. I don't believe in humanity anymore. Hot dog flavored, flavored soda. soda. By the way, I'm not volunteering to try it on air at all. Bacon, barf, pickle, and 37 other sodas you'll find at this... Fuck you, West Michigan. (laughs) The, the, The title of this article was Bacon, Barf, Pickle, and 37 other sodas you'll find at this Michigan shop. And then all of the pictures are actually of bottled Faygo. And it's like, yeah, that is what it tastes like sometimes. I mean, I fucking love me some pineapple watermelon Faygo, so... Also, pineapple orange is fucking legit, too. Those are the two that taste like barf and pickles. Anyway, great show. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you. And I'm going to say, don't drink the hot dog water. uh, And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Do drink Baja Blast hard. Yeah, absolutely.